Welcome to, to Young Proud Educators. We're super excited to have you. We're super excited to learn from you. It's been it's been a while um, get, trying to get you here, SMSs, WhatsApp, Facebook, but finally you are here. Welcome. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, I appreciate being here. Um, I think uh, the work you're doing is so commendable, you know, giving teachers an opportunity and a platform on which they can, you know, voice out what they're experiencing and what they're going through. It's needed, very much needed, because in the education space, a lot is going on right now. And um, there's a need for the education space to receive a voice, a voice in which they'll be able to you know, say how they're feeling, and what needs to be done about yeah. their daily experience. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And, and I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate people like you who are doing amazing things in teaching. And, and I'm willing to talk about, about them and share their experiences with everybody. But before we kick off, we usually ask people to, to tell us about themselves, the backgrounds, where they're coming from. Because we believe as people, as as personally on my own, I believe that there's there's power in in history, there's power in our stories, there's power in where we're coming from. Because my story um, um, will be always going to be like someone else in the future, and someone will learn from my story in, in 50 years time. So uh, when we do that, we teach the next generation, the next generation. So we'd like to know your story, Brad and Jabulu. I don't know. So, my <laughs> story. Uh, <laughs> okay, let me start off my story. This, my surname is Mkize. Yeah. But spelled M K I Z E. It's missing an H. Yeah. Okay. It's supposed. I was, to be I was wondering. I was wondering. Yeah. It's supposed to be M K H I Z E, and uh, oh, that H represents a lot. Okay. A lot to me personally, and a lot to my family. So, uh, my great, uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, my grandfather um, was from KZN, specifically an area called Entunzin. Sure. And he came to Johannesburg um, illegally, according to the apartheid system, mm. illegally in the sense that he did not have any a work permit or documentation that would allow him to live and work in Johannesburg. And the reason why he came to Johannesburg is because there was a lot of um, bad infighting that was going on in his uh, home area. You know, so it, it, him staying there would have put his life in danger. And also, I guess, lack of opportunities in the area where he was living. So he came to Johannesburg seeking opportunities and uh, basically got involved in... The political space got involved with a whole lot of different things that would be regarded according to the apartheid system as a crime yeah. because you're not allowed to be there. Mm. You understand? understand? And basically uh, altercations with police officers, altercations with people who would be wanting to check his documentation, his dom pass and checking whether he's got work permit and all of yeah. that. Mm. And 
the story goes that he became a little bit of a Robin Hood, stealing from the rich to give to the poor, you know. Um, and so, in the process of it, anyway, he met my grandmother, had my dad and his elder brother, mm. and basically, eventually, the Lord caught up to him, and he landed up uh, in prison and was given a life sentence and was hung. So that's the beginning of the Kiza story, according to the nearest generation to me. Yeah. And he was hung. Uh, he, he was, uh, basically, my dad only had, I think, if, in his lifetime, mm. two interactions with his father. So he only literally met his father, I think, twice, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And the last time he met him was just before he was going to be hanged. So that's, that's how the story goes. So my dad and his brother brought up by their mom as a single mom bringing up two boys who carry the the, the lineage of the surname Kize. Yeah. and because there was a lot of infighting and a lot of fighting going on in the, the Mkize side of the family they never actually had any links to the Mkize side of the family mm. so they were never able to go back to KZN and link up to the family and to so till this day I've got absolutely no links to that family Beyond the surname, I've got no links. I've got no relative I can turn to and say that's my dad's uh, side of the family. Mm. Um, but however, I carry the surname and with a lot of pride. And I, I love the link it gives me to the history of the country itself. Yeah. And um, my, my dad has said many a times, let's just go to home affairs and sort out the surname, put the H back in. And I've been very reluctant to do so because to me that H represents more than just an alphabet. To me that H, we can put back the H in the surname and try and fix it, but that doesn't bring back the heritage we lost. It does not bring back the inheritance that was lost. It does not bring back the life that was taken. You know, So you correct the spelling error that was intentionally done by the apartheid era. Because if you look mm. at original letters that my grandfather wrote while he was in prison, those original letters that my grandfather wrote while he was in prison, he wrote it with an H, but it was intentionally misspelled. Yeah. So, and under the current government, if you want to fix it, you have to pay. And I'm not willing to pay, even if they say it's one cent. I'm not willing to pay even one cent to fix it because I feel as if it was never my error and therefore I should not hold the responsibility to pay for it. Yeah. So that's that's the beginning of my story. Mm. And then I'm born and bred in Soweto. All I know is life in Soweto. I have no links at all to life in KZN or anywhere else, both from my mom's side as well as my dad's side of the family. Mm. Um, my mom's side of the family comes from uh, Swaziland, but mm. also grew up in Soweto. Mm. And I guess all the history blends on both sides of my family as a history in which we lost our inheritance we lost our heritage we lost links back to family and then a new life was created in Soweto. Mm. and uh from my 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 uh dad's side of the family my dad's mother mm. uh her her mom who passed on last uh, uh, earlier this year Passed on at the age of 103, going towards 104, That's and amazing. was living. So I've got a, a generational a history. Yeah, I've got wow. a very long generational history 
in Soweto. So for me, Soweto is home. And when people ask me where's home, home, I'm like, guys, I don't know what you're talking about. For me, Soweto is home. That's all I know. And you know, you, I, I'm sure you'll understand the concept. Of in South Africa, everyone's supposed to have a home, which, which is, is a village. The and then yeah. you're supposed to have a home home where you go kati semba kati holiday and you're like okay now i'm going to my home home for my i don't yeah. have that i yeah. don't have that and yo i'm not saying that with pride at the same time i'm saying it with a lot of pain not having that has been painful for me a very painful for mm-hmm. me i i i've missed out on a lot that uh links me to mm-hmm. who i am to the extent that I even feel as if I don't even speak Bulu properly because I've never had links back to the source of the language that I'm supposed to speak. Mm. That's who I am. Wow. I'm, I'm listening at you and I'm like, this man, he goes back and then he paints his family tree just like that with ease. And, and some of us are struggling to do that, brother. Like, to be honest, I, I struggle to do that. I can only go two generations back and I'm lost. But, but it's amazing on how you go back history and just paint a picture where you coming from. Yo, can I is, tell you? Is this intentional to say, you know what, I want to know where I'm coming from or was it just it, it's exposed very, to it since your grandma was, was 103? We just yeah. passed on now. It, it's very intentional because okay. um, my my first my first encounter yeah. with the reality of my skin color and understanding what it means to be black and living in South Africa. My mm. first encounter with that was when I was in grade nine and we went to a school trip at the Apartheid Museum. Yeah, and like most black families, I grew up in a family where. The family history has been hidden. They don't openly talk about the background of our family and the history of the family. It's not that my parents or, or the, my relatives, my grandparents and uh, my uncles would openly speak about the history. Not necessarily. They would say certain things and you'd pick up on bits and pieces of the story, but you wouldn't outright get the full story. Yeah. So basically, um, here I am grade nine we visit the apartheid museum and when we visit the apartheid museum there's a room in which there's about 120 nooses uh, that hang from the ceiling of the apartheid museum i walked into that room uh, with the background knowledge already that my grandfather was hung but before walking into that room the reality of him having been hung was was not really as skin deep to me as it is now actually not even skin deep i think it's bone marrow deep now you know but back then it was something i heard and it hadn't hit me i walked into that room and cold chills ran down my spine i literally felt as if i've literally stepped into a moment in which the past has become my present reality yeah and in that moment um i i literally broke down for the rest of the trip i wasn't okay mm. and mm. nobody could see it mm. my teachers did not see it my peers did, my friends did not see it nobody could see mm. the pain i was feeling in that moment where history 
does not become history anymore, where history becomes my current present reality. Mm. And as a young kid in grade nine, in all honesty, I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. I, I, I look back now and still feel the same pain and yeah. ask myself, how did I actually survive that? Because it could have, it could have destroyed me. Yeah. In all honesty, it could have destroyed me because mm. from that specific moment, mm. um, it hit me so hard that I developed an obsession with history. I literally turned into someone who became obsessed with history. Anything that talks about history, I'd want to, to, to know about. But this is the one thing that I realized. If I'd be reading history, that is history of another country, um, of another people who... It would it would hit me. I would feel the, the the pain related to it, but it would not necessarily be a, 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 an empathy. It would be a sympathy, you know, where I just feel ashamed and something happened to these people. Yeah. But whenever I'd come across South African history, it would be personal. So That's I'd fun. sit in the history class when I got to grade ten. I chose history mm. as as one of my my main subjects, and I'd sit in class and feel depressed when we get to the history section which is south african history and the teacher would be so surprised why even in the way i'd write my essays yeah she'd say to me you're not putting out your argument properly and i'd say to her you don't understand that to me this is not just a history paper I'm, I'm i'm writing something that is about us as a people yeah. and so eventually through the years, I, I grappled with the history, mm. grappled with myself, and in the process tried to drain the story out of my parents, especially mm. my father. I spent a lot of time questioning him and trying to get him to tell me more and more about the history. But in the process of so doing, I'd have to play, because every time I'd ask questions, I'd realize that the more I ask him questions, the more I dig into painful wounds as well. Yeah. And my grandmother on the other hand she was a closed book she did not even want to talk about it because for her it the pain was still real yeah. it was so real that she had letters from her husband that she did not want to pass on to anyone else she held on to those letters those letters i'm saying letters that were more than 40 years old my grandmother uh when i say my grandmother i'm talking my dad's mother yeah. we used to call it kokokize um, she passed on approximately, it's been about three weeks back now. Yeah. And until the last day, he held back, held on to, to, to the letters that were written mm. about 60 years or more back. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's deep. That's deep. You know, you touched on, on a very important issue to say, our black families they don't share they don't speak about what happened they keep quiet so i'm wondering what what was the impact of their silence in in your in your journey because now you wanted to know answers you wanted all they all you could hear in in the space that one would say that but not complete like puzzles were all over the place all that you needed to do was to put the puzzle together so you can have a complete story. And nobody said anything. What was the impact of that silence? Yeah, the impact of the silence is that it, it, it splits up into many 
uh, 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 areas of your life, if I could say. Mm. First of all, I'd say anger. Yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you. Mm. I have grown up and had a lot of anger. Yeah. Anger, which, um, if if I were to use a term, mm. uh, which I recently about maybe a year or two ago discovered the term talking about uh, collective trauma as well as transgenerational trauma mm. you know that anger and tension that is in you and you just in all honesty don't even know why you're so angry you yeah. you've got the anger anger but you don't have the reason for the anger in you you know in mm. your mind you can't link it you know yeah. uh, i couldn't find the link into it and so for me, it was anger, and that anger turned me into someone who was very judgmental. Mm-hmm. Judgmental in the sense that, for me, in all honesty, until maybe the last five, six years ago, mm. whenever I'd see a, a white person in my head, it was directly susceptible and linked to oppressor. Yeah. I did not ever want or find myself thinking of white person who be on my side mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i think in the journey of of that anger it also went and spilled over into um an identity as hunger a hunger to find out who am i you know and in the process of trying to find out who am i um you you begin to create an identity for yourself yeah and in the process of creating an identity for yourself, don't think that you're not being judged. Mm-hmm. There's people standing on the sidelines and checking whether you fit in, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, for example, being a Mkiza, you walk to anyone mm-hmm. and the first thing they ask you is, mm-hmm. you know, you mm-hmm. must know all the clan names and everything. But in, at that moment, they're not asking you, what did your family lose and why don't you know this information? Yeah. You know, so I would make sure that I learn those things very quickly so that I can fit and be accepted. Amazing. But the reality of it is, as a, as a kid, you find that you don't fit in even amongst your own people because mm. it feels as if this kid is, 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 um, he behaves too white for our liking, especially yeah. since our parents would take us to, um, schools that are multiracial schools and then we'd have English as our first language yeah. and having Afrikaans as the second language, you don't get an opportunity to learn your home language in school. And that literally just kept building up more and more things uh, that are hitting hard on our identity. Mm-hmm. So I'd say in the process of that, what happens is that um, now, mind you, our parents were looking for the best for us. Yeah. In their mind, taking you to that type of a school is because they didn't have an opportunity because of Bantu education and all of that. And then it's like, okay, here's an opportunity in which our child can get what we didn't get. You know, but in the process of that, not realizing how it will hit hard on you, you will lose out on the values and 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 uh, cultural standards and norms that are part of your language. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when I say values in your own language, I'm talking things like... Um, sayings you know uh, uh proverbs in your 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 language um being able to to identify with the music being sure. able to identify with the, the way in which people do things being a- able to identify 
with uh, even the background of your own people. So we had to create our own identity, basically. Mm -hmm. Walking around and trying to fit in wherever you are. But you find that you never totally fit in. Then you Mm -hmm. basically formed this generation that is called Born Free. And you don't feel free, but you called born free. You know, you tagged on with this thing, but you don't feel that freedom. Yeah. And and that's that's the the journey we entered into. Yeah. We're born free, but we we're not free. It's just a attempt to separate the generations. Yeah. Listening to you, I, I hear you went through through a lot, finding who you are. Couldn't find that information was hidden from you. You tried to put the puzzles together um, with a struggle. And now you create your own identity. And now you, you're judged for, for that. You're not accepted by your own people. At the moment, what's the identity, identity that you're running with? Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think for me, interestingly, I eventually reached the point where I didn't care anymore. Yeah. I I didn't care anymore. And I reached the point where I was like, I'll be the best version of who I am. Yeah. Because mm. in all honesty, everything else is taken. Sure. There's no one else who's like me. There's no one else who shares my story, my mm. history. And mm. if they are out there, we are very few. You know? So I will not try and pretend as if I'm from KZN. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'll try and learn my home language and know it as well as I possibly can, but I will not try and pretend as if I'm from there. I will not try and fight to put in into Mm -hmm. anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I got to varsity, (laughs) I once sparked off a humongous debate in (laughs) class. So we were asked, what is your home language? So I showed up in class and I said, I'm bilingual. My home language is both English and Zulu. And I was told, no, no, you cannot say that. They they, they actually, actually the term used was, what is your mother tongue? So I said to them, my mother tongue is both English and Zulu. I'm bilingual. And they were arguing with me. No, that is impossible. I said to them, wait, let me give you the reason why I'm saying this. I did not learn English from school. I learned English from home. My mother taught me English. By the time I walked into the gates of any school, I was fluent in both Zulu and English. I knew them from a home background. So in other words, my mom taught me both languages. So it's my mother tongue. <laughs> and it was like, you mongrel. It's like, no, it's not so possible. Not it's even impossible. the lecturer would expect, uh, accept that, you know. Yeah. Not even the lecturer wanted to accept it. And I was like, no, I am claiming this. I don't care. Don't look at the skin color. <laughs> I speak the Queen's English and I speak it proper. I speak it good. <laughs> and I'm from Soweto. <laughs> Yeah, yeah and, and I'm from Soweto, and man, look, I'm claiming it. I speak this language, and I spoke this language from like the age of two, so you, you, can't, you can't say anything. <laughs> we're going to go, go into, into, into education or into schools. That would be part of it. But just a step back, um, from just last one question from your grandfather's history and and what you went through. Have you healed? Or are you still in the process? Look, 
I think healing is a process in itself. And mm. one thing in South Africa that hinders the healing process yeah. is that the reparations mm. have not been fulfilled. Mm. In other words, when I say reparations, I'm linking back to the Truth and Reconciliation Council uh, 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 that permission that was was not a full-on process. Mm. Basically, they attempted to fix about 52 years of apartheid uh, coupled with about 400 years of slavery yeah. in approximately three and a half to about eight years, you know. And the recommendations that were made for a wealth tax for such things as um, having uh, reparations for certain people who had lost, yeah. um, we, we received a whole truth, you know. If sure. you can look at the whole truth, it, it had a very big hole in it. You know, it was missing a lot of truth, you know. And so if if you have a partial truth, you will have a partial reconciliation, you know. And so um, the healing process is one in which in South Africa, including me, mm -hmm. not just South Africa and South Africa alone, including yeah. myself in the statement, we have been playing uh, the, the, the ignorance card, which yeah. is... Uh, ignore your pain and focus on the future you know and that you know any any wound that is ignored after some time becomes septic and it begins to to run with pus and all sorts of things yeah so for me personally when i realized the amount of anger that i carried mm. i opted to rather take a path that would start to give me a healing process a path mm. in which I began to speak about my 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 family history a lot more. That's why you were able to get my family history so easily out of me, you mm. know, because mm. I started speaking about it a lot more because I believe in speaking about it, I relieved myself of the anger and the pain that I carried. Mm. In the process of it, I began writing a book with my dad. Yeah. It's been taking a couple of years for us to write it because he writes and then has to stop because after he has written for a while, uh, the pain of it hits him so hard that he needs a break for another couple of months. Uh, my dad and I have done a radio interview before, also <laughs> related to our story. And that was around the same time period as Fees Must Fall, where mm -hmm. I actually directly noticed that I was behaving in a way that was directly linked to the past and the history. You know, during a, a protest like Fees Must Fall, we'd be singing the same songs, we'd yeah. be behaving. In the similar Same. way, and my dad is the June 16th generation, you know, yeah. so you find that the behavior is passed on, you know, and my dad didn't even want me to be part of those protests, and when I told him I was going to be part of it, it he, he had a fear in him about me being part of it, and the reason why he had a fear about it is because he suffered a lot from, from what happened to him. Sorry, I'm getting into another history of my family that links That's directly perfect. to my dad. That's perfect. It's part of okay, healing. Can I go into it? It's part of healing. So, um, around June 16, 1976, yeah. my dad uh, was a young man living in Soweto. And at that particular point, there was what they called the third force, which was uh, Zulu men from the hostels, or Stella, mm. and they were working hand-in-hand -hand with the, the government. Yeah. Okay, so, so, anyone who was a student at that particular point, if they would come across them, would be a target. And so there's a point at which my dad was sent to the shop around the time period of June 16, the mm. uprisings. 
he was sent to the shops and when he was on his way coming back from the shop there was a group of uh blue men from the hostel who were basically yeah. putting in discipline on these rowdy students who are trying to overthrow the government so he was hit with a nopkir over the head and typical black family didn't take him to the doctor just put rub rub send the boy to sleep and then so many years later when he was around his 50s he had internal bleeding right there where he was hit and the doctors tried to inquire what's the issue did you have a car accident did you have an issue he could not recall and then it dawned to him hey about 30 something years back almost wow. i got hit over the head with an opium and being it that he was going into his 50s the veins in his, um in his brain basically it started to thin out so then he had had that blood basically this is the brain yeah the blood was filling up on the one side so much that the brain was squashing against the other side like that and they had to drill into his skull drain the blood out it affected him a whole lot a whole lot in terms of ability to continue working as as he usually would to apply himself my dad is extremely smart even though he's um doesn't have a, a degreed education but yeah. extremely smart he does a lot of uh, pro uh, in terms of uh business related stuff in other words mm. trying to work with projects and fundraising for them and all of that but it really stifled him a whole yeah. lot because yeah. after that operation you can't spend as many hours doing hard work because yeah. then he ends up with a, a critical headache and all of that you know mm. but yeah so so basically when i was getting now involved in the fees must fall the background that he personally had was giving him a fear for what would happen to me you know and i mean going into fees must fall for me was a crazy experience because there's a moment at which for example i was at wits university living at res and i'm walking there hands raised shooting rubber bullets at us and when i come close by to the the quela quela i'm i'm using an old term yeah. that uh hip yeah the quela quela i come as i'm walking past it what i see inside is a whole lot of a bunch of very buff white guys with their ammunition shooting towards us black students and in my head and by the way these guys are much much older than we were in my head what hits me is that is it the same apartheid police who have just changed their uniform mm -hmm. and the color of their car instead of a yellow quella quella it's blue and white and mm -hmm. their uniform is now a south african democracy police uniform mm -hmm. Mm. And that hit me so hard because it related directly right. to me and directly to my past, you know. So, like, am I over it? Have I healed? I'm, I'm in the process of healing. I'm, I'm, I am in the process of healing and it's a daily work. Some days I make more progress than others. Some days I take two steps back. Some days I take three steps forward. So days differ. But I think I've... I become better when it comes to the anger. I'm not as angry, or rather, let me say, I've co I, I know how to control the anger better. Yeah. It's there. I just control it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's always better when you 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 have um, someone to support you. Like when you when you married, have the family. Women play that extremely important role in our lives. Yeah, but, yeah. especially especially in terms of mental health. That's one topic that we don't talk about enough, especially in the black community. Sure. Um, 
that that is where as a young man mm. as growing up in the south africa in which you've got all sorts of abuse family related violence gender based violence you find that we're looking at the 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 the, the effect the mm. uh, that uh, gender based violence has and we're looking at what's happening in the home and this man mm. is beating up his wife and all of that mm. we don't look at the history we don't look at the the history of trauma we don't look at the history of anger yeah. the history of, that has been you know passed on the history of what oppression can do to a person turn mm. a gentleman into a monster you know and i'm i'm not trying to give an excuse for those people because mm. i don't think there's anything that we can give in as an excuse for being a violent human being yeah. especially in terms of violence expressed on people who mm. cannot even fight for themselves but mm. I would say the mental health issue is the one that I want to touch on a lot and say that um, the healing process yeah. has been very important for me personally because I want to keep my sanity in check constantly. Yeah.